Welcome, beautiful people, to another episode of the Black Crown Chronicles podcast, where we explore the intersection of professionalism, Black hair, and identity. Joining me today is Dean Dom Turner. Dom is a higher education administrator with a passion for helping students navigate the American higher education system. His work includes developing strategies to support students from historically underrepresented populations and challenging institutions to eliminate barriers to student success. Dom is a PhD candidate in the Higher Education Administration Program at Morgan State University, Go Bears, Hope Fellow with the Center for Religion and Cities. As an interdisciplinary scholar, he researches the historical development of church-related colleges and Black male scholar development. Dom is also a proud first-generation college student, a native of Prince George's County, Maryland, and a staunch advocate for HBCUs. Um, so let's jump right on in. First, let me check in with you on a human level. How are you feeling today? How are you, sir? I am uh, doing okay. Uh, so um, working in higher education always brings a lot of different uh, tasks to do. Uh, so I'm a little tired, um, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, to be tired at this point in the semester is like, whew. Right. Do With I have the understanding, to... right, that yeah. there's another, this This is not even quite the halfway mark. Uh, and so right. it's like, wow, we've got, we've got time to go still. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. I wonder, you know, when I was a student, I didn't make those considerations of professionals. <laughs> so I highly doubt that students are making those considerations of us as professionals. But that's just what you get with maturing and realizing that, hey, these aren't just adults who have nowhere else to be. They actually work at the university. <laughs> right. They care about my development. Right. And they have plenty of other things to do and to attend to. Uh, but like you said, like that's not something that students really understand or give a lot of understanding to. Uh, and so we've got to figure out ways to strike the balance ourselves as professionals. Definitely. Well, you know, even though, you know, my, most of my career has been in higher education, um, it certainly was an area that I certainly wanted to work in to connect with students, to be the person that I did not have there for me. And earlier in the season, I talked about one of the challenges that I had in my job search about the presentation of like, trying to distinguish myself from not being a student on campus, but hey, I'm now a professional and I would love to work at your university. Will you hire me, please? <laughs> but a part of that that I also had to navigate was my hair, my locks. Um, and at the time they were about shoulder length, they're much longer now. Um, and for a while, I thought the reason why I didn't receive a job offer was because my locks were problematic. And that whole experience just, it entering my mind, I think, was traumatic because I had to relearn, unlearn and yeah. establish healthy affirmations for myself. Um, but many years later, it certainly has brought me to this place where now I'm a scholar, you're a scholar, and we can talk about how identities impact our development in our career trajectory. 
Um, for our listeners who have not yet met you or seen what you look like in your headshot, how would you describe your hair currently? Um, I know that's a weird question for someone on a podcast, but it's very relevant, particularly because when you and I met, you uh, did not have hair. <laughs> and right. now, and it wasn't that you couldn't grow it. It was just a choice. And that is sometimes not always a choice for men. So talk to me a little bit sure. about that. Yes. Yeah, so I would describe myself as a black man with locks. Uh, my locks are not as long as I want them to be. Um, but of course, they are um, almost shoulder length. And um, how long do you my, want them to be? What's your goal? Uh, I want them to at least be uh, to at least just past my shoulder. So uh, this is actually my second set of locks. Um, and during my junior year, I decided to uh, cut my locks. And then eventually I shaved my head. I cut my locks because I didn't really like getting them done. And I would go very long stretches of time between retwists. And so uh, my sister was doing my hair. And so she would uh, very aggressively kind of separate them. Uh, as punishment for me not coming to get my hair retwisted. As oh, no. I should, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that is, that's painful. It was. And so that led to me just like, okay, like it's time to let this go. So I cut my hair and then a few months later, I decided to shave it. And I liked the look and kept it for about 10 years. So like for 10 years, wow. I shaved my head at least once a week. And it was actually during the pandemic that I decided I was going to grow my hair out. I said, I'm not going to shave again until I have to go back to work. And then that stretched longer and longer. So I did like a faded mohawk for a while and then eventually decided to lock my hair again. Uh, so this is now my second set of locks. Nice. And your hairline is still strong, might I add. <laughs> yes, my both friends were pissed when they realized that I could actually grow hair. Like like when I put a picture up on Instagram uh-huh. uh, showing that I had locks, they were like, wait, you can grow hair? Grow hair, yeah. And grow I, it well. Yeah. That hairline is very strong, right? right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's strong and I'm, I'm very grateful uh, for uh, still having a strong hairline. I know that's a thing for men and I always joke about that. Um, But I know it can be like a place of insecurity because, I mean, now we have some weave technologies that I've seen some people use on Instagram. But before that, it was like, if you're losing your edges and you have cul-de-sacs on the edges, it is what it is. But for women, we can, you know, do a little comb over, pull some edges down, swoop it down, put something on top. Men don't have those liberties. Yes. And that was the feedback that I got. Like if I could grow hair, if my hairline was as strong as yours, I would never shave it. So I was like, well, I had a choice. So I exercised my options. So as an undergrad and thinking back to my um, experience as well in undergrad, that's when I also started to uh, decide to grow my locks. And I feel like as a younger adult um, entering professions, you have a little more flexibility as opposed to where we are now in our careers, where folks are looking for who you are. They're not looking for you to try and find yourself. Um, so in terms of how you want to show up to be a professional, um, how does that play into your role as a senior administrator on campus? Sure. And I have to admit that I am aware of my physical presentation, partly because of some of the things that happened in my first set of locks. 
and when I was younger. So I worked in, um, I was a government contractor for um, just about my entire undergraduate experience. And uh, I had um, senior administrators at the company that I worked for who basically told me that I could go far if I would clean up some things. What? Wait, they use those words, you could go far if you clean up? Yes. And they, they, uh, the, this person gestured to my beard because I kept a pretty long beard at that time uh, and to my hair. Uh, I had locks at the time. So I thought about that intently as I was kind of navigating that space. And so when I decided to cut my locks, it wasn't something that was like a big deal because I was like, this will probably help me anyway. Uh, it'll help me to not have as much hair um, on my head as a man. And so uh, now that I'm a senior uh, administrator in higher education, um, I oftentimes lead with the fact uh, that I am a black man with locks and I don't intend to cut them for any college or university. Uh, so I've been in search processes where I told uh, search consultants, uh, can you make sure that the board knows that a black uh -huh. man with locks is going to show up to this presentation? Uh -huh. uh, it's something I'm aware of and I speak openly about it now. And um, if I have to be honest with you, some of what has helped to empower me um, is seeing other senior administrators, other even professors who wear their locks proudly as black men. And so I was in a program, a mentorship program, where the mentor I was paired with I was a black man with locks. And he had had several different positions at the college that he worked at. And he has very long locks down to the middle of his back. And wow. so seeing that as I was kind of debating about whether or not I was going to regrow my locks, um, it really did empower me to know that if you know your stuff and you are really bold enough to um, to be um, to be yourself, uh, there's nothing that anyone can take away from you. Nice. So going back to your other experience where this person told you you could go far. Did you go far when you cut your hair and clean up, quote unquote, clean up as they suggested? I was still an intern at that time. I was still an intern and I was eventually converted to full time uh, right around the time I was graduating. And um, I think there were plans for me to, quote unquote, go far. But then I just didn't think it was the kind of place I wanted to be. Uh, because of that experience and others, I didn't think that they valued Black people uh, in a way that made sense for me. And so when I had an opportunity to go to a different contract, I did. And so that initial company where I was told you can go far if you clean up some things, uh, they tried to make a counter offer to keep me. And I declined even entertaining the offer. I went to the next company where I thought I could have a bit more freedom to be myself um, and not just as a professional, but just in general. I felt like I had a little more freedom and flexibility. Um, I didn't I didn't look back. Uh, and so maybe they had uh, the thought that I could go far uh, and they did show some signs that they would be willing to invest in me to, quote unquote, go far. Uh, but after I started to grow and mature in my own identity and blackness, I determined that I just didn't want to uh, be in a company quite like that. Good for you. I know that is a tough question, particularly when you have dollar signs attached to it, lifestyle attached to it, benefits, status in your community. But you know yourself, you know what you need. And yeah, I know you don't have any regrets. 
No, it, but it took a lot of life to, I think, get to a point where I was okay with moving on uh, because, you know, the stability just felt like, you know, it was what I needed. Uh, but as I've grown, like I said, matured, I found that being able to be uh, proud of who I am, uh, proud of how I show up in the world, uh, not just physically, but also, you know, the decisions I make, my behavior, uh, that's more important to me than the stability of, you know, working for a certain company for a number of years. Uh, and so I've learned uh, to give myself grace uh, and to try things out. And uh, if you don't like it, you can try something else. Yeah. I know you talked um, a little bit before about representation, how when you see someone else that encourages you to also come authentically as yourself, where you are right now, not maybe not specifically on your campus, but perhaps in your area, are you the first or are there others that you can say like, this is my group membership of folks that look like me, have the same expression as me? What does that look like? That's a great question. One of the things I realized when I moved to my uh, current um, role is that m- many of the Black men on our campus have locks. Um, nice. But that is, um, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt because there are probably six of us, um, six or seven of us that I can point to Black men uh, in various positions, some of them in athletics, some of them in other roles. But there are only a hand of, handful of us that have um, that are excuse me. There are only a handful of black men, and so I would say about if there are seven of us, then four of us have locks. And so um, I'm very aware of that, and I also see that there are a number of students, uh, black men, who have locks as well. Um, and it's something that I am keenly aware of. And I think students are keenly aware uh, that there are Black men who look like them uh, across the campus. But most of us are brand new, uh, who have been here, have been here at the college for um, just this semester, maybe getting here in the summer in preparation for the fall. And so the influx of us coming in the door who are uh, locked and, you know, proud. Uh, but it's just something that I'm aware of. I'm, I'm wondering um, what our retention rates will look like as staff members. Uh, and even if our presence on campus will make um, um, any kind of positive impacts on the retention rate of students as well. You know, my scholar mind starts ringing when I'm like, hmm, that sounds like a really interesting study because it is so new. And like, what is the correlation to other presentations on campus. So if anyone's looking for a research idea for their PhD program, there's one, or maybe you can twist it to, you know, change out the variables there. But that's so interesting that it is a recent phenomena. And uh, even though the numbers are small, it's interesting that so many have chosen the presentation of locks. I agree. I agree. That's very interesting. And they're what? It's all different styles of locks, too. 
Uh, like there's some, there's one who has um, more natural locks, uh, and then there's me who has kind of like the tapered sides. Uh, there's another one whose locks are extremely long, and he keeps yes. up. Uh, but we all that we run the full gamut of locks. There's wicks. There's everything. I'm loving. Listen, I'm loving the diversity because you know I do talk a lot about locks because there's so much stigma that comes with that, but there's also so much diversity. There's so much that you can do with it, and sometimes you just have to imagine that on your campus folks I mean y'all can take a group picture right now and be like look this is not even a, a half of the diversity of what can happen with presentation so I'm loving that you have that on your campus <laughs> yes me too I'm enjoying it that's good that's good so we talked about this a little bit earlier um about privileges you know now there are some weave technologies for men who may be losing edges or in the middle and also for women as well um but outside of that there are also a lot of privileges that women have in relation to hair length hair presentation hairstyle choices that men do not have. And I think one of those is certainly the hair length that you have. Um, to hear that there was someone on your campus that has locks way down into the middle of their back, I haven't seen that. And usually the men that I know of have chosen to keep it at a certain length for various reasons. But I do know that that is a common denominator. I hardly ever see it where someone has hair as long as mine. Um, have you observed any differences in how you are treated or how men are treated in relation to women based on hair choices? Um, I'm not I'm not sure if I can say that I've observed differences in treatment. I can say that I have been very aware of my choice of how I style my locks as a man. Uh, one of the things that I thought about uh, just recently, I just got a retwist two weeks ago. Um, and the loctician, I moved recently. And so I have a new, I'm, you know, trying to find a new loctician. The first uh -huh. one I tried, she did a great job. She asked me if I wanted a style. And so I said, well, I've never had a style before. And here I am on my second set of locks, having never had a style. And as I was sitting there and she was asking me that question, I said to myself, like, I didn't say this out loud, but I was like, I don't even know if I, if it's okay for me to get a style. As a man, like, I don't know if that's acceptable uh, for me to not just have locks, but also have them kind of styled in any particular way. And so and why, they, why did you have that thought that it maybe would not be OK? Because. Um, one, I've never done it. And so I, just because I've never done is it, like, I don't even know if that's something that I should do because I've never done it. And then also, as I'm thinking back to different scenarios, uh, I do think that there is a kind of uh, maybe, maybe it, there is a stigma, if even if it's not, quote unquote, out there, as uh, Dr. Welsh would say, in my own head, uh, that um, you shouldn't do all that extra stuff as a man. And so in my head, I was like, do you even need to do all that? Should you? Is it acceptable for you to do all of that? And, you know, they uh, the stylist, uh, as well as one of her colleagues were encouraging me, I think. Uh, two strands will look great, or maybe even barrel twists. And mm -hmm. I was like, are you sure? And so I just decided to trust them and uh, got the two strands. And now I love it. Uh, oh, wow. But I go through that in my head, like, is this even something you should do? Or 
quote unquote, can you do it? Uh, and, and I even asked, like, is my hair long enough? Are you sure it's not going to like look crazy? Because, you know, I, I just I still have that, uh, I think, insecurity about how long my hair is because I wanted to be really long or longer uh, as long as it was um, with my first set. Uh, and so uh, they helped to encourage me. And of course, as a black woman or black women that helped me to get through that. And so I was thankful for it. And I'm grateful that I had tried it. Um, but I really did kind of go through uh, some some things in my head around whether or not it was acceptable for me to do. We'll be surprised how many times um, going to a hairstylist to someone that maintains your hair, how that can also be very affirming for us. Like we don't think that we're getting that type of advice or reassurance, but in the process of attending to hair, like you're also getting the affirmation and also saying like, yes, I absolutely can do this thing. Yeah, I agree. And and, and it's, uh, I think different in um, like a kind of a natural hair experience uh, than it might be in a barbershop for me. Uh, so being at a loctician is different than being at a barbershop. They don't hype you up like they, you know, in the barbershop. Oh, okay. I was going to say, tell me more because I've, I've never had a shortcut. So what is it like at the barbershop for us, the women that are listening? <laughs> so basically you get your hair cut, the barber gives you the mirror, uh, you give, you know, the thumbs up or you say, no, fix this. And then you leave. Uh, it, well, <laughs> when I'm getting my locks retwisted, uh, oftentimes there will be this affirmation like, oh, that like you look good. Like it, it's they oh, really wow. and so having that affirmation is something that I don't think I've ever gotten in a barbershop. Or occasionally another barber might say, Oh yeah, he did a good job. Like that's a good lineup. Uh, but it's kind of rare. Uh, but it, you know, whereas in my experiences getting my locks retwisted, there is often an affirmation experience once things are done. After your retwist is done, yeah. um, and the shop is like, oh my gosh, they, your, your locks look good. Like, did she get before and after? So I'm like, damn. Oh, wow. Right. That, that uh, makes you feel good because that's what you yeah. keep there for. Absolutely. Versus something, and I'm not saying that all barbershop experiences are transactional, but like, it's a purpose. You, you're in, you're out versus like, not only did you leave looking good, but you also feel good because, you know, they're telling you the truth. <laughs> it's very reaffirming, especially when you are on the journey in the beginning. Like you need as much of that as possible. And for you, you know, you've seen what your hair can do. This is your second set. So you have to have a little more patience than most. Absolutely. <laughs> Use that phrase. You've seen what your hair can do. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen what your hair can do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming you did not keep your first set. No, blocks. no, I did not. I didn't even consider it. Um, I had started to debate with myself about getting them cut. And then ultimately I went to the barber. I told him that I wanted to cut them. He also had locks and he said, Hey dog, you sure? I remember that's exact, his exact words. Hey dog, you sure? I said, yeah. And then he just took the clippers and started cutting. And then, and then swept them up later on <laughs> that evening when they were on the floor. Listen, if you are ever deciding about changing your locks, you can keep them, you can preserve them, you can reattach them. But we didn't know this like 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. We didn't know that. But now we know like the technologies with hair is amazing. I love that. We just have to imagine it. <laughs> um, what was that? It's a little crochet tool and you can reattach them. 
The crochet tool is changing the game. I need to learn how to do the crochet thing myself. Um, I have stuck myself trying to do it, but like the crochet game is definitely changing the game. Both of our journeys in locks are different, but they do have a lot of similarities with the affirmations, with the, is, is this the right thing that I should be doing? Checking in with others and also, you know, putting that up against like, I'm also an older professional now. What does this mean for my career? Um, what messages do you have for others who may be considering similar transitions when, you know, faced to those pressures of conformity? Yes. One of the things that I would say is that a lot of these pressures or uh, even comments are rooted in anti-Blackness. Mm-hmm. I think we have to make sure that we understand that some of this is coming from a place of ignorance, but then some of it is absolutely coming from a place of anti-Blackness. And in a world where anti-Black racism is so prevalent, we really need to be bold enough to be who we are. Uh, to show up physically as we uh, desire to, uh, as well as in our behaviors and in our actions. And so uh, I am very uh, intentional with my physical appearance at work as a, you know, as, as an associate dean. I don't wear suits every day. Um, I am intentional about wearing sweatshirts and hoodies and jeans and um, dunks and Jordans and all of that kind of thing. One, to affirm myself and the way I prefer to show up as a professional, but also to make sure that the students on campus uh, are affirmed and that they know that they can show up uh, in the ways that they would like to physically, whether it be their dress, their hair, um, all kinds of things, the language that we use. And I think that that is a tactic of resistance uh, that I have chosen. Uh, And I am not saying that everyone else should do that. I am just saying that this is a tactic that I have chosen to use uh, to address uh, some of the anti-Blackness and racism uh, that I've seen uh, in my career. And I think it ultimately is a tool. It's a part of my professional um, uh, way of helping um, to show students that you can be uh, who you are uh, in all the ways that you would like to. Imagine that there. I mean, some people know this, but like your hair, your crown could be a tool to fight white supremacy, anti-blackness. You don't have to say anything. You just walk into a room and you are as you are. And that is what I have found to be true. I walk into a room and people uh, have respect for me. Uh, They want to have me contribute to conversations. Uh, And they, you know, as a newcomer to this campus, I've been empowered to uh, point out what I see and to make recommendations. And some of my recommendations have already been implemented. I can't describe how much uh, I've been received so well uh, as who I am, a black man with locks who wears, you know, Jordans and dunks and T-shirts. And I still, you know, put that shit on, suited and booted at least once a week on Thursdays. And they've come to understand that. And then they are even remarking about how versatile I am. Uh, as a professional, because they've seen me wear it all. They've seen my hair uh, needing to retwist and freshly retwisted with a shape up. And so I think that that versatility speaks to um, the versatility of Black people in general. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Is there anything that I have not asked you that you want us to discuss or want to give any commentary on? The other thing I'd like to give some commentary on is about my beard. 
because I think that uh, having the beard and the locks combination has been something that I have always been uh, kind of aware of. I think my beard has been as much of a target of um, conversation uh, as my locks have been, and probably even more so among older Black men. Uh-huh. Uh, even just today, I had a, uh, an older Black man at church who's, who pointed at me and said, man, these beards. What? Uh, what's going on with these beards? And he said something like... In front of your face? In church? Yeah, he said it to me. He said it to me. He said something like, uh, you know, if you were out on the street, I could like uh, point you out in the lineup. And I said, but you wouldn't. Yes, yeah, I'm not going to be in a lineup, sir. Uh, then he just got up and walked away. But the fact that. Um, Wait, pause, pause, pause. Let me take all this in. It's the comment to your face, right? The nerve and the environment that this is happening in the sanctuary for me, like. <laughs> but I've had a history of older black men in church, older black men affiliated with church ministers, uh, maybe just elders, uh, deacons or trustees who have made comments about my beard. And it's something that I became aware of. Uh, and at a certain point, I kept my beard very closely cut. I, especially when I had my my baldy, when I was shaving my head, I kept my beard close cut as well uh, because it was something that I knew was a thing for some people. And so now I keep my beard uh, at a length that I prefer. Um, and I like my grays to show. Yeah, I like, you know, I like it all. Uh, it's not always um, super uh, neat and tidy. Uh, when I get a shape up for, uh, you know, when I get a, a regular shape up, I line up, I get my beard trimmed as well. But it's not something that I, I overdo because I'm also using my beard as a way to express myself. Uh, and um, the beard and locks combo, I think, is something um, that I've become more comfortable with. And I really do feel like it it shows who I am as a person, expresses uh, and demonstrates um, a level of, um, I don't know, it's not really stately, but it's, it just shows the strength that I want to show to the world. And uh, that is also a way that sometimes people um, show anti-Blackness. Even Black people will be anti-black by telling a black man that their beard uh, is, you know, improper. Because how else do they want black hair to grow out out of your chin? I'm I'm confused about that. But let me ask you this, because I know that you were bald and had the beard and now have locks and have the beard. Uh, Which combination do you think you received uh, more negative attention? I think maybe the bald with the beard. But I think I I have to give a caveat that I let my beard grow a lot longer when I had the bald head. Uh, So now that I've had the locks in the beard, I keep my beard like the the length it is now. So it's not super long. Okay. Bald head, I think that that combination between no hair on your head and a ton of hair on your face, that was something that received a great deal of criticism sometimes but also just comments like there was a lot of commentary about that even like among my relatives it was like oh wow you you have all your hair on your face you need to put some on your head <laughs> wait say that again uh, so you said, there was a comment i think maybe two people said like you have all your hair on your face and none on your head 
Okay. <laughs> Your family sounds like a very funny family. <laughs> yeah. They say, they say what they feel. <laughs> to our listeners, uh, if you found this episode inspiring and enlightening, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and share it with others who may benefit from hearing about Dom's story and his transition between hairstyles and also with managing having the characteristic of a beard. Um, any more last closing remarks that you wanted to share with the listeners? Sure. I just want to say how grateful I am for the experience to be able to reflect upon my uh, lock journey and to share my perspectives on how uh, my physical appearance and my professionalism uh, work hand in hand. And I'm hopeful that uh, young professionals will have the courage to uh, be who you are, uh, to know that what you have in your head and what you have in your heart uh, is coupled with your hair. Uh, and in your physical expressions of even dress. Uh, so thank you, uh, Kanisha, for opening up this space. And I hope that uh, the conversations continue to go on and mature uh, so that we all can uh, find ways to express ourselves. Absolutely. I'm here for it. Thank you so much, Dom. Um, all right. That's it. That's a wrap. <laughs> Wasn't that hard, right?